lesson from the Psalter, which will also be the homily text here in just a minute, is from Psalm 51, the Psalm of David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, and my mother conceived me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Don't touch. Those are often repeated words uh, by parents to their young children, uh, especially their toddlers as they begin to walk and bebop around our houses. Don't touch is probably some of the most commonly repeated words, maybe next to stop or no. Hopefully also uh, out, you know, words like yes and I love you and yay or, you know, outweigh those. But when our kids are little, we have to say a lot. Don't touch because they have to learn. When uh, my daughter was, uh, my firstborn child was uh, a toddler, she liked to always go to this lamp on an end table and, and push it off. And I would say to her, Georgia, don't touch. And she would just stand there and look at me and then go and knock it right over every time. And one time we were camping and my son, Eben, we had the little camp stove set out and he kept trying to put his hand up on the stove. And I kept saying, Eben, don't touch. And he just looked at me and went and stuck his hand right on on the grate and just seared across his little fingers. And, you know, we like to say, well, you're going to learn today, aren't you? So when you you know you hear this, why? Why do we have to hear this so often? Um, Don't touch. Well, because a light bulb is fragile. A stove will burn you. It'll hurt if you touch it. You know, someday they'll be ready to use a lamp rightly. Someday they'll be able to enjoy its light. 
and read next to it without breaking it. Someday they'll be able to use a stove as it is intended to be and enjoy cooking what they want to eat for dinner, not what we make them or tell them they're having for dinner. And they'll be able to do these things without hurting themselves or burning the house down. But they have to wait. They have to wait until the time is right when they know how to enjoy these things properly. But we don't like that word, wait. Not even when we're little kids, all the way to we're adults. We have this impulse to reach out and to take, to grab, to touch what we desire, often things that we are not meant to have, at least not yet. And we don't like being told, don't touch that, wait. Well, there's a reason every man, woman, and child has this urge to reach out for things that are not yet meant to be theirs. It goes back to the very beginning of our story as God's creatures. If you know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, they're created in God's image and they're given this beautiful paradise to live in. God gives them all this incredible abundance of food that the Bible says was very good and pleasant to look at and to eat. All of this for them to enjoy except for one, one tree they couldn't touch. And God said, if you touch it, you will surely die. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did Adam and Eve do? All this food to choose from. All this abundance that is theirs. They reach out for the one fruit that God told them, don't touch. Which leads us to our psalm for the day, Psalm 51. It was written by a man who, like Adam and Eve, had experienced the pain and suffering that comes when you reach out and take something that's not yet meant to be yours. King David. King David, the famous king of Israel who slew the giant Goliath, this handsome, strong hero, hero, this greatest king that Israel had ever known, it is said that he was a man after God's own heart. And yet you remember what he did. He reached out and he took something that wasn't his. He reached out and took his best friend's wife. And when he knew that it would get him in trouble for doing so, he even had that best friend, a man named Uriah, murdered. And eventually this good thing, having a wife, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, that he reached out and he took when it wasn't meant to be his, well, it came back and blew up in his face, right? And when his actions came back to bite him and he was found out, David prays this prayer, Psalm 51. And you can hear in Psalm 51 how sorry he is. He understands that even before he was even born, he was a sinner. That his heart, though he truly loved God and wanted to serve God, was still broken. And he may try to reach out for all sorts of things to fix this broken heart. Ultimately, they cannot satisfy what is broken inside him. And so Ash Wednesday is an opportunity for us, like David, to take an honest look at the brokenness of our hearts. In a moment, as we come together as a church family and, our, and the pastor, me, is going to put ashes on our foreheads and remind us that we are but dust and to dust we will return. At Christmas and Easter, we celebrate all that God has done for us. But on Ash Wednesday, we remember why he had to do all of this in the first place. We remember that we are broken. That we are sinful people who reach out for all kinds of other things. We worship them. We give ourselves to them. We order our lives around them. And we do 
they inevitably fail us and they let us down and we fail ourselves and we discover that we were not ready to handle these things properly, that life is too often out of our control and we make a mess of things. So we participate in Ash Wednesday because like King David in Psalm 51, we are willing to be honest with God about the mess that we've made of ourselves and our world that we can't possibly fix. We are but dust, and to dust we will return. So if on Ash Wednesday we can be honest about our sin, if we can cry out to God and face the fact, the facts of our rebellion against our Creator, that we too often reach out elsewhere before we reach for Him, then like David, we find that a heart of repentance God will not despise, that God will do the dirty work to clean us, to wash us, to make us whiter than snow. The hope of Ash Wednesday is that while, yes, we are dust, we are dust that Christ our Lord came to redeem. He became dust and dwelt among us, who waited patiently for the Father and never once reached out and took what wasn't yet meant to be His, who died in our place that we may be forgiven, who rose from the dead that we may be set free from the power of sin and death. And why does Jesus do all this? Well, you can't spell Valentine without Lent. That's the corny joke for the day. You can't spell Valentine without Lent. Why does Jesus do all this? Because he loves us, plain and simple. And Jesus, nothing will stop him from reaching out himself to draw us back into his embrace of love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.